Welcome to the teachings of Pastor Mike Yost of the Springs Calvary Chapel in Habern, Idaho. Please join us as we study the Word of God. Recently, within the last week or two, I, I was reading through Genesis, and the Lord has been putting this on my heart, this study, because Mike asked me a while back to teach for him. By the way, he says hello. Hi, everyone. He'll be back next week. Don't worry. So anyways, where I was going with this, uh, Mike asked me to teach, and the Lord's been putting this on my heart. But as, I, as I've been rereading the account of, of Jacob, I'm like, wow, this is, you know, the Lord speaks to you when you open this thing right where you're at. It's almost as if it's living. It's almost as if it's a person talking to you. Oh, wait, it kind of is, huh? Uh, what, I, what I also wanted to encourage you in is when you read, especially like Old Testament, but even New Testaments, it's, it's really helpful to read a whole chunk of verses together because you get a full context. You see all that's, going, all that's going on. Like, you know, the story of Noah. If you just get to the part where the, the, the flood happens and then you just close your Bible, it's like, oh, wow, that's the end of that. But there's more to it, right? Or, you know... Um, Jesus, I saw this one funny video one time where it was like, uh, it was a new believer or someone who wasn't even a believer. It was a Bible study. And so they get to the part where Jesus dies on the cross and he's like, what happens next? Because, you know, we, we're so familiar with, yeah, we know. But, you know, the disciples didn't know. They knew what Je Jesus promised them, but they weren't trusting in what he had said. And they were all afraid and hiding. So uh, reading the life of Jacob, it's actually basically from verses Chapter 25 through chapter um, somewhere in the mid-30s. And then it turns into the life of Joseph. Remember Joseph, his son. But anyways, I'd just like to encourage you. It's not a, an exact rule. Sometimes I just read a chapter a day. But sometimes it's good to read a lot of chapters a day to so get the full picture. Anyways, just an encouragement. So let's go to the life of Jacob. And yes. This is a, a fun section. 25, I should turn there. 25, you can um, jump down to verse 19. 25, 19. If you're there, 25, 19. And I'm going to start reading. I'm going to read a, a, a good portion of this chapter, and then we'll, then we'll talk about it. So this is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, his wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Syrian of Padamaran, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And I just want to make this quick note. The Bible is not a novel. Maybe there's newer believers. The Bible is not a novel. It's not a made-up story. This is a, a real-life account of people, and it's pretty amazing how it can speak to us. And this is thousands of years old, and ha yet how it can still speak to us. But, but know that. It's not made up. It's not a clever story. This is real life. Okay, so I was reading, Isaac pleaded with the Lord, his wife, because she couldn't have a baby, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now, verse 22 but the children struggled together with her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire with the Lord. So I actually titled this message. I don't title a lot of my messages, but who is in control? Or in subtitles, it's, a, it's, a, it's about wrestling. It's about wrestling. So if you notice verse 22, the children inside of her, she has two children, struggled together. The word here is to crush or oppress. Like my little kids, I felt that when they're in my wife's belly, I'm like, oh, that was, that was a good kick or punch or whatnot. But that would be, that would feel very uncomfortable to, you know, two babies, of course, but them wrestling inside the stomach. And this is going to, this is telling because they're struggling. It means to crush or oppress. Why is this happening, God? That would be concerning, wouldn't it? Two babies fighting in your tummy? So um, it makes me think of John the Baptist. Remember when he leaped inside of um, Elizabeth's stomach when Mary came? But anyways, I don't know why I said that. Oh, because babies can, you know, 
can move in the, a lot in the tummy. So they struggled. They were wrestling. Jacob was a wrestler. He was wrestling from, <laughs> from the womb. And um, so she inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And check this out. This is incredibly important. And the older shall serve the younger. And the older shall serve the younger. This is God's promise to her. He inqu she inquired of God, and God tells her, he prophesies to her of what will happen. The older shall serve the younger. Verse 24. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over, so they called his name Esau, which means hairy. Hairy and red. One of my cousins, he had a mustache coming out of the, the, the womb. I'm not kidding you. He like had a mini mustache. So it's a real thing. But this guy was hairy all over. I've seen, you know, really hairy babies too before. So that's what they named him. That's how they named a lot of their kids. You're going to see later on. It's funny what they named some of their kids. But anyways, it's funny what we named some of our kids. But anyways, um, that's not the point. So we have the first one coming out. And he's red. And he's super hairy. Verse 26, after his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Jacob means heel catcher. Very clever, right? They named one hairy and they named one heel catcher. It could mean heel holder, supplanter, or layer of snares. That's what they named him. <laughs> Hi, what's your baby's name? Layer of snares. He's one who holds on to heels. What a scene, right? Babies. A baby, twins, baby come out, okay, he's red and hairy, but then the other baby is holding on to his foot. What, what a scene that is. That's crazy. But it's so telling of the life of Jacob. It's so telling. Where was I at? Oh, yeah. So, <clears throat> I can find it. There we go, verse 26. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years, 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter. Gives us a description of Esau and Jacob. And a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man, a complete man, dwelling in tents. So there was a drastic difference between the two. A man's man and not so man's, not a man's man. So, verse 28, and Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. He had a favorite. Why? Because he liked what he brought home. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Kind of interesting. They made their favorites. They chose which one they liked more. Verse 29, now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. Ever had a long days of work, and you just feel like passing out, and you're extremely hungry? That's the idea. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me. With that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom, which is red. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew and lentils. Then he ate and drank and arose and went his way. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. So, the birthright was important because it was the spiritual blessing from God. Um, just like it was, it was part of the promise that God gave to Abraham, their great-grandfather, I mean their grandfather, um, and then to their father, Isaac. And so, it would be the, the blessing of the children, the land, and um, to be prosperous, okay? And so, this is part of the land, I mean, part of the birthright, but also that... Um, they would have a larger inheritance with when the father was going to die and then he passed away. They would get a larger inheritance, but they would have more responsibility. And so there was a definite religious or worship side to this birthright, but then there was a physical side, the blessings that came with it. And Esau did not care. He traded it for a bowl of soup. Bowl of soup. He traded his relationship with God for a bowl of soup. That's how much he cared about his, his, um, 
his, his grandfather's God. So it's implied in here that Jacob wanted it. And, and, I, and I, I get this from, from this commentary from Don McClure. He says, Jacob wanted the things of God, but he didn't know how to get them. And we're going to see that through, <laughs> through the life of Jacob. Jacob wanted the things of God, but he didn't know how to get them. So he schemed to get them. And we see that here. He, <laughs> he's like, hey, I'm going to take advantage of this situation. My brother is going to die, and I'll ask for the birthright. But his brother didn't care. Esau said, that God stuff, yeah, that's fine, but I'm going to die. I'm worried about the here and now. Don't talk to me about God stuff. I want to be taken care of right now. So chapter 26 is about Isaac. It switches back to Isaac because that was the genealogy of Isaac. Then we're going to move to chapter 27. So turn to chapter 27 with me. Now it came to pass, oh, sorry, 27 verse 1. There's still papers turning. Okay. 27.1. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered him and said, Here I am. Then he said, Behold now, I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. I'm going to die is what he's telling him. It seems pretty close. Verse 3. Now therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. You know, I, I love you because of the food you bring. Can you bring me some more? I'm about to die. Verse 5. Now Rebekah was listening. When Isaac spoke, now I'm going to go back. Now Rebekah was listening. When Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. Verse 6. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me my game and give savory food to me that I may eat it. And bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory foods for, from them for your father, such as he loves. She, you know, Esau might have learned to cook from her. Anyways, probably. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. Verse 11, Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, my Esau brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will fill me, and, see, and I shall see to him to be a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be upon me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. So, Rebekah Remember, she was the one that God spoke to first. I will make the older serve the younger. Remember that? That was a promise. What God speaks is a promise. Okay? Just depends on context, but most of the time God speaks is usually a promise. What he says he'll do, he will do. Okay? Know that. What he says he'll do, he'll do. That's God. He has the power to do that. However, she's lacking faith. She's lacking trust in God. How do we know that? Because she's trying to trick her husband. Trying to trick her husband by taking a smooth man and trying to convince him that it's, <laughs> that it's a hairy man. A stinky man, probably, from what we read. Um, what's interesting is my brother has, like, this full giant beard, and I get nothing. I'm like, what's up with that? So it's a real thing that one brother can be super hairy and one brother's not. It's like, that's not fair. But anyways... Um, where was it going with this? Yeah. You remember, I'm going to skip way, way ahead. When Jacob is old and he's going to bless his son, Joseph's son, there's two, his two sons come with him and he goes to bless them and he goes like this. Remember that? God could have easily done that to Esau and Jacob, right? When Isaac was going to go, but I can't bless Esau. God promised my wife. So they went ahead of God and really messed things up, Jacob and Rebekah, where God could have simply done, <laughs> like in Jacob's life, and just go, and he blessed, Jacob blessed Joseph's younger son over his older son. And, and I think that's God's, God's way of saying, look at what I could have done for Jacob, how it would have turned out if they just would have trusted me, but they didn't. So Jacob's going to live up to his name, that he's a deceiver, he's a supplanter, that he is um, a hill catcher. He, take thing, he takes things into his own hands. 
Verse, um, here we go, verse 14. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother. Like, he questioned her, like, I don't think we should do this because my father's going to know. Yeah, he might be blind, but he's not dumb. So, I don't think we should do this. She says, just trust me. And if he curses you, it'll be on me. So he went and grabbed them, and Rebekah took the choice clothes of his elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. That's how hairy this guy was. Shaved, took off some sheep skin, I mean some sheep wool, and put it on Esau. That's pretty intense. It's like, wow, he's a werewolf or something. I don't know. Why? Because maybe the father will try to try to fill Jacob. Because they probably didn't sound exactly the same, like, you know, most of us don't. And with our siblings, we might sound similar to them, but there's a difference. So I'm going to skip down to verse um, 20. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord brought it to me. He lied. This guy's, yeah, God helped me out. He brought me the, the animal. And Isaac said to Jacob, please come near and I may fill you, my son, whether you really, <laughs> whether really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He's like, this is weird. Something's going, you guys are trying to pull one on me, huh? So he did not recognize him, but his hands were hairy like his brother's. And so he blessed him, and he said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. He, he, he gives him another chance. Do you want to tell the truth? No. I'm lying to you. Right? God gives us chances. Do you want to tell the truth? Nope. I want to keep my lie. He said, bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game, so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, that's why I said it might be stinky or something. You know, pe some people have a real strong odor. It's like, ooh, yeah, I know that person's coming. <laughs> but anyways, um, he, he's like, it's kind of like the, the Red Riding Hood, right? Wow, you're so hairy, and you have such big eyes and such big ears. Like, th something's wrong here. So his father's saying, he has Jacob's voice, but he feels like him. He, they were probably different builds, too, you know, the, their body shapes. And he's like, yeah, he has no muscles, but he's wearing Esau's clothes. This is weird. But anyways, I'll just, I'll just bless him. So <laughs> um, verse 27 it continues. Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of the field, which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of the heavens, the fatness of the earth, and the plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you, and nations shall bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. <laughs> he stole the blessing. He stole the birth. Well, he, he traded for the, for the birthright, and he, he stole the blessing. Verse 30, now it happened. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food. Imagine he's like cooking. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get this blessing. My father's going to bless me right now. You know, he's just thinking about it, making his food, doing all the spices and all the preparation. He comes in. Wow, what a disappointment, right? A shock. And let my father arise and eat of my son's game, that you may, your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac, Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to, my, to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. And he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, It is not right. Is not right. Oh, excuse me. Is it not rightly? Is he not rightly named Jacob? The one who takes 
someone else's position. For he supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright and took, and now, look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reversed a blessing for me? Sorry, reserved. I can't read this morning. And Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master, and all his brethren I have given to him as your servants with grain and wine, and I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau says to his father, I know this is a lot of reading, but I think it's important. Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of the heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass, when you become restless, that you shall break the yoke from your neck. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother. Sounds like the first twins, right? And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she went, so she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise and flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him, check this out, a few days, a few days, a few days. It was over 20 years that Jacob stood in Laban's house, and he, it, it seems as if he never saw his mother again. Why? Because he listened to her craftiness, her deceit. So, be there a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done him. Then I will send and bring you from there. She never sent for, she never sent for Jacob because Esau's anger never seemed to turn it until we get to the, to the um, end of Jacob's story. But anyways, Rebecca said, Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? So then in chapter 28, um, his father Isaac goes ahead and sends him out. I know this is a lot of reading, but what a crazy scene, right? <laughs> Jacob's mom tells him to lie to his father, and he does multiple times. He goes to all this, goes to all this trouble to deceive his father. And then when his brother finds out about it, he wants to murder him. That's intense. He wants to murder him. Not just like, you know, I'm going to take your stuff, I'm going to steal your stuff. I'm going to murder you. <laughs> and so Rebecca finds out about it and she says, go, leave. And my excuse for you leaving, I'm going to tell your father that you're going to go get a wife. So she's lying once again to her husband. She's not telling the full truth, which is a lie. And um, so Isaac goes ahead and says, go ahead, leave. And we're going to go to verse 10 of chapter 28. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. I don't know how he slept with the pillow being a rock. I just don't know. That's impressive. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Have you ever slept with a rock before as a pillow? Really? Military? That's impressive. <laughs> Why not use like a shoe or something else, like a shirt? I don't know. Your backpack? I don't know. Boy Scouts? Anyway, so he, he uses a, a rock as a pillow. He lays down. He falls asleep. I, he's, I'm thinking he's running. He's, he's, at first, he's probably sprinting as fast as he can because someone wants to kill him. Then eventually, he's like, I got a little distance. I'm going to slow down. But he walks into this point where he's, he's weary. He falls asleep. Verse 12, then he dreamed and behold, a ladder or a staircase was set up to the heaven, I mean, set up on earth, and it reached to the top of heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. It's interesting. Jesus says, I am that stairway. If you read in John, I'm that stairway that the angels come down and go up. People enter through. Anyways, so, and behold, stood above it 
And the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. This is a blessing. It continues on. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, not seeds, but seed, Jesus Christ, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We know that from Galatians. It talks about that seed, not seeds, is Jesus. Verse 15, behold, I am with you and, and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. It's amazing. Jacob has just lied to his father, right to his face. He can't see him, but he lies to him over and over, tricks him. And then he's instructed by his mom to go and find a wife, but to really hide for his life. And, and you would think God would come and start spanking Jacob or something like that. Like, you, you little foolish kid, or, you know, young adult or adult, whatever, but no, he appears to him and he starts blessing him. Don't get it twisted that God blesses our, our sin, but in spite of our sin, God blesses us. If you notice, he says, I'm the Lord of Abraham and Isaac, and I will be, and he's, he's going to be his God, and I'm going to give you multiple descendants, but I'm also going to provide that one seed. And I'm going to give you this land that other people were living on. I will give it to you. The blessing. This was part of that birthright and the blessing that his father had given to him. But is ultimately coming from God. Verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of the Lord. So Jacob has a misunderstanding here. He says, I stumbled upon God's house. This is where God appeared to him. But the, the part that he gets wrong is that God's house is everywhere. God is always present. He, it was as if Jacob was saying, I, I, found, I stumbled upon the presence of God. But the reality is, is God's presence is everywhere we go. Right? If you read Psalm 139, there's not a place that I go. I can't outrun your spirit. The depths of the ocean, the grave, the skies, you're there. I'm with you. And so he says, this is the house of the Lord, and this is a gate to heaven. And Jacob arose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put his head on. He, he changed his pillow into a, a pillar and set it as a pillar and poured oil on top of it as an act of worship. And he called the name of that place Bethel, which is the house of God. And it was formerly known as Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, check this out, okay. So remember how he had made a deal with his brother Esau over a, <laughs> over a bowl of soup, lentils? Check this out, verse 20. Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So he's saying, I'll give you a house, God. I'll give you, um, what do you say? I'll give you, I'll change, I'll make the stone your house. And I'll give you 10% of all that you give me. He's trying to make a, essentially a deal with God. If you're good to me, I'll make you my God. I'll make you a house, and I'll give you 10% of all that you give me. Doesn't sound like a good deal, right? But God says, deal. He says, all right, let's do it. <laughs> oh, Jacob, Jacob. If you uh, haven't caught it yet, we're, a lot of us, we're all like Jacob. And I'll get to that more. So um, stay with me. I know this is a ton of reading, and I'm going to start summarizing some chapters now. But I thought that was really important because this is where he meets God and he tells him, I will be your God. I will bless you. I'll keep you. No one, he's, this, is, this is incredible encouragement for Jacob because his brother wants to kill him, but God says, I'm going to protect you. I will protect you. Don't you think that would be encouraging when someone's trying to murder you? I will, I will protect you. And that's how fitting God's word is. Whatever we need, he speaks to us. Whatever we need to hear, he will, he will tell us. So, 
in chapter 29, Jacob, he does, he does go find a wife, and her name is Rachel, and he sees her, and he's like, wow, she's beautiful, she is a shepherdess, and um, long story short, they finally find um, Rachel's father, Jacob, meets, it's his uncle, Laban, and he's like, what's the price that, that you will, that you will accept for your daughter? He says, seven years of working, so Jacob does work his seven years, for his for Rachel and, it, and the Bible makes a comment saying it was as if like a few days it, it was nothing he was so in love with her he was so excited he had this desire for her that it didn't matter what he had to do it, it was going to be done and so um, <laughs> then comes the the night of the wedding you, I'm sure some of most of us have heard this story where Jacob is going to go marry. Rachel. It's the night, uh, it's the wedding night where the father finally gives the son and his uncle tricks him. He gives him the the older daughter, the uglier daughter. That's what it says. You know, she has these lame eyes or something like that. Some say, oh, it's blue eyes, but there's a reason why he chose Rachel over Leah, right? And it actually says that, that she was beautiful, um, Rachel. So he wanted, he wanted Rachel and he, he had made a deal to get Rachel, but guess what? He got Leah, and you say, how did, how did he do that? Well, and some, sometimes they would wear veils over themselves, and they, I wouldn't, they wouldn't be unveiled to the wedding night, or it's possible that he could have been drunk. We don't know. It doesn't say. How, whatever the case may be, he was tricked, just like he was used to tricking. It, it, it got paid back to what he was paying to others, like he did to his brother, and so um, then he's like, why did you do this? I thought we made an agreement. And what happened? He says, okay, I'll make you another deal. Work another seven years, and then I'll give you Rachel. And he's like, okay, deal. And so he gave him, he gave him Rachel quickly after. It's the week after the wedding celebration. He gave her Rachel. And then he worked another, another seven years for him. But we see... We see many, many problems because Rachel has, not Rachel, Jacob has two wives. Every single time you see in the Bible a man with multiple wives, it is very, very difficult for them. It is not how God intended it. Go back to Genesis 2 where it says, man shall leave his mother and father and become joined to one other person. You're bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh only joined to one other person. So when you go outside of God's will, God's ways, it creates havoc. So as, as we continue on in the story of Jacob, um, they start having babies, lots of babies. Leah, it primarily it's, it's Leah. Then it turns into Rachel's maidservant. <laughs> and you'll see, if, I encourage you to read these chapters because I simply don't have time. But you see, they name their kids, they start naming their kids like, you know, God is my judge, God sees me. Um, God is the right, the person, because Leah was unloved, and it says that, like, uh, Jacob actually loved Rachel a lot more than he did Leah, and, and, and it says that, that God, that God goes ahead and gives her children as a form of a reward, as, because he sees her and he cares for her. Um, if you look in chapter 30, verse 8, if you look there with me, chapter 30, verse 8, It says, then Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister, and I indeed have prevailed. So she called his name Neftali. It literally means to wrestle. She named one of her kids wrestlings of God, my wrestling. Wow. (laughs) And that's just to, to give you an insight, a picture to the intensity, the contention that was happening between the two sisters. And guess who was in the middle of it? It was Jacob. Jacob, because Leah at one point couldn't have babies, so she says, just take one of my maidservants. He's like, okay, I'll do it. And so he has babies with, with the maidservant, and then Rachel's maidservant. And then finally, she gives, uh, Rachel finally gives birth to Joseph, and his name means the Lord shall add another one. The Lord will give me more. I'm hoping for more. I'm praying for more. And so in, in um Chapter 30, verse 25, it says this, And it came to pass, when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own place and to my own country. He had this desire because God had promised him 
I'll give you this land. So he asked him, he asked Laban, who was technically his boss, but um, a greedy boss, to go ahead and send him away. Bless him and let him go. But Laban says, no, 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 you can't go because all my stuff is, is prospering. I'm getting rich because you're here, is what he essentially tells him. So Jacob says, let me go, let me go. And he says, no. And he says, what can we work out that you, make you stay? And so Jacob says, all right, I got an idea. You take all the nice-looking sheep, and I'll take all the spotted, the streaked, and, and the black sheep, and I'll have them. And then in my mind, I'm thinking that Jacob is thinking ahead himself. He's trying to build up his resources, his wealth. And so he's, he goes ahead, and, and God miraculously, basically, gives him an abundance of sheep, which is, equals a lot of money, essentially. And he has a lot of other animals, because he's probably trading them. And Laban's flock starts to diminish. And so um, that's, that's chapter 30. And so um, Laban's sons see what's happening. And they're like, this guy is ripping us off, Dad. We, you know, and, and Laban's face, his countenance changes. I know, I know this is like, I'm going on and on and on, but I'm, I'm going to get somewhere and it's going to be good because it is good. It's God's word. But uh, Laban, he gets upset. He gets, he thinks Jacob's cheating him basically. And so Jacob tells his wives, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. And so they, they get up and they leave, but Jacob had been preparing this clearly. They get up and they leave and Laban finds out and he's furious. He says, you know, when he finally catches up with Jacob seven days after he left, he says, why didn't you tell me you didn't let me kiss my grandkids? You didn't let me kiss my kids, my daughters. What's wrong with you, Jacob? He wanted to kill him. But, but God appeared to Laban. And he said, do not touch Jacob. Do not touch Jacob or it'll be bad for you. And so he flees and then they, they come to a peace agreement. Hey, you don't come past this rock and I don't come past this rock. Or else, it's not going to be pretty. Oh, that's an intense situation with the father-in-law. But anyways, don't come past this rock or else you'll die. Um, and then in chapter 32, um, we have where an Esau meets Jacob again. That would be frightening. <laughs> the thing is, it's been over 20 years now since he has seen his brother and he hasn't seen his, any of his family. So Esau comes to meet Jacob. And we read that Jacob is incredibly frightened. And so he comes up with this plan. So the thing about Jacob is he's always, always thinking. He's always scheming. He's always coming up with plans to put himself in a good position. And so he's like, I'm going to split up this, you know, Rachel and that family. And I'm going split to up, split up Leah and that family. And they're going to go ahead and they're going to go that way. So that way if Esau does come and kill us, kill me, he won't kill all of us. So he's, he's thinking ahead. He's protecting himself. And so I want you to turn to Genesis 32, verse 22. And he arose that night and took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. And he told them, send them over the brook and send them over what, what he had. I, I forgot to mention that, that Jacob sent him like 400 sheep and 20 rams and like 40 cows and 10 bulls, which is a lot of money and camels. He, he's like trying to bribe him. He's trying to soften his, the blow that he's about to bring or he's expecting him to bring. So he's like, just give him all these animals. I have a bunch. Just get, try to get him to be appeased that he'll take this money essentially. And so, verse 24, then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he had saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of, of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said to him, let me go for the day's break. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Here we go. What was that? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. Verse 27. And so he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob said, asked again, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, 
for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. This is, this is a good part. I mean, it's all good parts, but I like this part the best. <laughs> Jacob is all alone. He's afraid that perhaps one of his little, little clans might get murdered. Because what I also forgot to mention, because there's a lot of details, is that Esau's coming with 400 men. 400 men. That would be pretty intimidating. A little small army. Your angry, murderous brother, or murderous in heart, brother, and 400 men. That he's probably got all stirred up. And so Jacob sends them all. Let me, let me face Esau. And he, but he's left alone. And a man comes to him. And, and I just try to, and, you know, because this happened. So, like, how did this happen? Was it like, hi, like, you know, he's in the middle of nowhere. And he's like, hi, what's your name? And then he just starts wrestling him. Like, how did, how did this play out? That, that Jacob's there or is he just sitting down? And then the guy just comes and gets him in a chokehold. I don't know, but it doesn't say, but it happened. Wrestled with God. Um, wrestling is a common occurrence in our house with David and John John. I'm, I'm a little afraid to when they're older and they can team up, but that's, I guess I just have to work out more or something like that or take classes. But anyways, wrestle, Jacob wrestled with God. It says that here clearly. Jacob wrestled with God in person. I say, how is that possible? Christ made many appearances in the Old Testament, not in his full glory, right? How he was able to, to lay aside his glory when he came in the form of a human, like in uh, the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, he would come down. He met with Abraham and others. And it's the angel of the Lord, the messenger with the capital letter. And so they wrestled all night long. All night long. But the thing is, is Jacob has been wrestling with God his whole life. Not all night long. This tells us something about God's character and Jacob's character. Jacob was determined. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. To wrestle with someone for 30 minutes is a very long time. You know, five minutes. Because you're, you're giving all of your strength, your energy, your resources. You're putting every ounce. Imagine how sweaty and stinky he was afterwards. Right? Like, you see the, you know, kids wrestling match, like high school, whatever. Those guys get sweaty instantly. But anyways, um, just the constant struggle. All the energy, <laughs> the pain. And I just, I just, you know, I think it's the Lord, but. I think it's him speaking to me. It's like, I allow, I, I allow this to happen to you. Because the thing is, is we wrestle with God as well. I want to do it this way. No, I'm going to do this. I'm determined to do it this way. God, no, don't do that. Don't do, no, don't do that. No, I'm going to do it this way. And yet God rest, lets us wrestle with him. He lets us wrestle with him. So, Jacob, he was determined. He was strong, but not stronger than God. Ultimately, he was prideful. Prideful. I love what this shows about God's character. God is always patient. Patient. I want to say again, God is always patient. He's extremely patient to put up with Jacob all night long. Like, give up already. You're not going to win, Jacob. You know who you're fighting against? He is good. He blesses Jacob after the wrestling. And he is gracious. He gives us what we don't deserve. Jacob deserved none of the goodness from God, but yet he gave it to him. God does not deal with us according to our sins or punish us according to our iniquities. Yes, he does punish us. The Bible tells us that, but not for everything wrong we do. Or else he'd be in bad shape, right? He blesses us with grace and forgiveness. His spirit, the workings of the spirit, the fruits of the spirit. Christ richly blesses us. Then God changes his name. From Jacob, heel catcher, supplanter, wrestler. To God prevails is his new name. 
God prevails rather than Jacob prevailing. It also can mean prince with God, soldier of God, and ultimately all these, these names mean governed by God. It's no longer Jacob being in charge, getting his own way, making situations go the way that he's trying to, but is what do you want first, God? What do you want me to do? This whole time, right, he, 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 he schemed to get the birthright when he, with the soup. He schemed to get the blessing with his mom and, and putting on the hairy stuff and, and the, the coat of his brother. And he, he didn't protect himself from, from Laban. He didn't cheat him necessarily, but God protected him. God protected him from Esau. Well, the next chapter is him in having an encounter with Esau. But it was God doing it all along. Remember, he had promised him, I will keep you, I will protect you, and I will bless you. It wasn't based upon Jacob's efforts, but based upon God's ability. Maybe someone needs, that, needs to hear that today, that the outcome is not based upon your ability, but upon God's ability. We want to be responsible. We want to be faithful to what God has called us to do. But the ultimate outcome is God's. Amen? Yes? You with me? And I just have a few more words. In conclusion, some of us might to hear, need to hear this. Stop wrestling with God and surrender. Stop wrestling with God and surrender. I know that's simplistic, but you know what, that's, you know what that means. You know if you've been wrestling with God. And even for salvation, when Saul is on the road to Damascus to go persecute Christians, you know what happens? God shines his light down. And he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then they say a few more words. And then he says, why are you trying to kick against the goads? God is like a goad. A goad is like this really sharp um, nail placed on a long pole that you would, you would hit the, the ox or the horse or whatever to keep it going and to be obedient to you. So he says, why do you keep on kicking against me? Surrender is what he tells Paul. Maybe you need to hear that today. Stop resisting me and surrender to me. Surrender your life to me. Not just pieces of it, but your whole life. And there might be just one area in your life where you're wrestling with God. I don't want to give this up. No, I want to do this my way. Nope, I want to do this my way. God telling you, no, I'm telling you, I told you how to do it. I told you how to do it. Humble yourself, all of us, myself. Humble yourself and God will give you grace. But know this, God opposes the proud. Jacob's life is encouraging in so many ways because God used him for his, for his work. If you read all, all of the Old Testament um, accounts, all of the Old Testament, you see these guys are not the heroes. Everyone has their own failing, but there's only one hero in the Bible, and that's Jesus. And God would be gracious to us. He'd be patient to us with our failings. With our <laughs> That's why I love the story about Jacob. It's like, this guy is a tough nut to crack. But when he was cracked, it was good. You might have heard this before. God can only use you in a profound way. Let me restate that. You can only be used in a profound way by God. <laughs> I can't think of words. You have to be broken. Let's just say it that way. You have to be humble. You have to be broken for God to use you. If I got this or I know what I'm doing, I'll just do what I, what I want, what I think is best. God can't really use you. If you think of the life of Moses, he had to go take him and grind him down, make him a shepherd, make, you know, Make him live all those years in the desert, and then God used Moses. Because Moses tried to be used by God. He tried to, to be God's instrument, but it was in his own strength, in his own abilities. Whereas when God worked it inside of him and broke him down, then he could bless him and use him. 
So, is there an area of your life where you need to surrender today? Have you been wrestling with God? The thing about it is he'll just keep wrestling us. Keep wrestling us. He can go all, all day long, all night long. You saw it. But do you want to give whatever it is to him? And ultimately your life. Do you want to just, oh, yeah, God, I recognize that I'm trying to do this on my own. I'm trying to do that on my own. I give it to you. Because what I'm doing isn't working, clearly. <laughs> we, need, we need those times in our lives. This isn't working. My plans, my ways, my desires. What do you want? Because that should be our question that we ask. What do you want? And he was so good to Jacob. <laughs> and he's so good to us because imagine if, if we were written into this thing, <laughs> what it would look like. There would be like, there'd be like double the size just for your own life, huh? <laughs> and all the, oh, the foolish things we do when we're not walking in the Spirit. So let's pray. Yeah, that's a good idea. Thank you, Father for your word. And I do pray that if anyone is truly wrestling with you today, that they would surrender because they can't win. But the way they can win is by surrendering. We'll be blessed when we surrender to you, Lord. We thank you that you're faithful, that you're so kind and gracious, and um, that you'll never leave us, Lord, nor forsake us. You were with Jacob before he was even, when he was being in the, uh, when he was in the, the womb wrestling with his brother. Lord, you know all the days of our life. Your thought towards us are precious. And we just thank you that you're the hero. And that we can be part of your team. We can be part of your kingdom. I pray, Lord, that we would walk in the spirit. That we would seek your kingdom first. That we would seek you first, Lord, above all else. We wouldn't try to plan our own ways, but that we would inquire of you. And um, just bless us today with our fellowship, with encouragement, with prayer. We thank you, Lord, that you're not done with us. And Lord, if, if there's any burden or sin that we're holding on to, would we give it to you and be refreshed in your presence, be refreshed in you. And um, bless our, our time, bless our rest of our day and our week, Lord, to to not be self-reliant, but to be reliant on you, God. Because um, that's the major lesson, is to not be self-reliant, reliant on you. And so, would you bless us with your spirit? In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about the Springs Calvary Chapel, please visit our website at www.thespringscalvarychapel.org. Join us in person at the Springs in Hebron, Idaho, or here on the podcast as we worship together in spirit and in truth.